DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and it's time for our weekly visit with BYU receiver Samson Akua. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing all right. So, we always hear the players bounce back from this faster than the adults, you know, the coaches or the ADs, administration, whoever. Feel like you bounced back from Saturday? Is it still dragging you down? Does something happen later today that gets you to bounce back? Nah, I, I feel like as soon as that game is over, you know, I let out my emotions, and uh, as soon as I left that locker room, I was ready to move on to Texas, and I'm ready for Baylor. From my perspective, watching that game, you boil it down to the turnovers. I don't know if you would have won without them, but I think that that was the reason, the primary reason, anyway as to why you didn't win. How did you see it? Oh, uh, I think it's uh, 100% the turnovers that we had and uh, even some of the false starts that cost us, um, maybe jumping off sides cost us a bit too. It was, the coaches talked to us about it before the game that would cost us uh, if we couldn't take care of the ball and uh, if we weren't able to do the little details that Boise State was a fundamentally sound team and that they would uh, take advantage of those things that if we couldn't, uh, just six little details, and they did, and uh, it cost us. So, do they come from the same place? Is there a lack of, I don't know, focus? I don't know what the word is, but is it something like that, and that's what leads to the penalties and the turnovers? Are they tied together? Um, I don't know if it was a lack of focus. Um, I felt like uh, throughout that past week, that was one of our best weeks of practices uh, of the year, honestly. Uh, um, Everyone was locked in throughout the week, um, picking up on those little details. And then, uh, I don't know, it just came game time. And uh, I think we just um, got a little too loose and too little lackadaisical and uh, didn't bring enough energy to the field. And uh, it just showed when we came out there and uh, that we just weren't ready, that we weren't locked in fully. Did you find at 5-0, and zero, ranked 10th in the country, that this was a huge game for Boise State? You could see it. In their celebrations afterward, they're extremely happy to knock off a top 10 team. Is that something maybe you weren't aware of that, not that necessarily Boise can make its season by beating you, but clearly it meant a lot? Yeah, we knew what they wanted to do and come in and do. And, uh, shoot, we wanted to definitely prevent that, but, um, it just seemed that they came out with more energy and came out with a little more. Uh, focus and we did and uh, it seems like we really just kept shooting ourselves in the foot um, they only beat us what by nine it was and uh, we had almost around six turnovers um, so if we were able to keep it uh, under control and uh, you know pick it up on our end I think we could have definitely gave them a run for their money but it just came out the smarter and more uh, disciplined team you know, actually, those first seven or eight minutes, you, you came out okay. You start with a field goal, they fumble, you get you individually get that touchdown catch, which was a pretty play, and it's 10 nothing. Anything happen after that to lose the edge? Because as starts go, that was awfully good. Yeah, the, the first two drives for us, we were marching down the field on them, um, doing as we pleased, throwing it down the field, running the ball. Uh, it's hard to say. We got to watch more film. Um, I was able to watch some film, but um, I think got to watch a little more to see what was a big turning point for us and uh, what caused us to lose our focus and our edge throughout that game. When did you know Jaron Hall was going to start? <laughs> right before the game, too. Right, like everyone else, I had no clue until right before the game. 
So how did he look in practice on, like, say, Wednesday and Thursday? Were you looking at it thinking, oh, he doesn't throw the ball well enough, no way this is happening? Um, the crazy thing is, honestly, I always have when, you know, I love all three quarterbacks, you know, most of the time through practices, I'm so focused on the little details at receiver and uh, trying to focus on my assignment that uh, I'm not really 100% paying attention to who's throwing the rock to me. So um, I think I got to see Jaron a little bit Thursday, and he was looking good. Um, he was throwing dimes, throwing in the deep ball, throwing him perfect. Um, and, um, I mean, he came out and did his job. You know, we didn't get the W, but he did really good. I thought, you know, there was some little details. He might have missed, but that was with everybody that we uh, that we missed on. This this is your first season at BYU. Personally, is it weird for you not to have a conference to play in? Um, it's a little weird. It, it is a little weird, but it's fun. Honestly, yeah, getting to make your own schedule, um, going to choose the teams that we really want, the competition that we want, and showing that to win that. You know, we make our schedule and. Uh, that we can hang with anyone. We believe we can hang in it with anyone, and that's why we make our schedule the way we do. So it's going to be weird going against a team that, I mean, literally you guys know everything about each other's offenses. I mean, Grimes goes to Baylor. I, I don't know what he and A-Rod could possibly not know about each other at this point. They've been in, they've been in the same room talking football too many times. Same games, same practices, same film sessions. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a, a great offensive shootout, and then uh, you know, it's just gonna who, who's gonna have the least amount of mistakes, and then uh, who's gonna be able to take uh, um, stop the other offense. It's gonna be fun. You don't really have a choice in this matter, so it's sort of a silly question in that regard. Because I could say, well, after a tough loss, would you rather play a team that is not uh, of a renown in a power conference like Baylor? Uh, not that you can choose it, but. Does it help maybe get the motivation back and the attention and focus going on the road and playing a pretty good team from Big 12? Um, I think so. I, um, shoot, we don't want to shy away from anything, even if we take a loss. Uh, we want we want the best competition. We want to go against the best of the best. Um, we don't want anyone looking down on us, saying that we're playing you know, some D2 score or anything. We want every game we want to be a top power, uh, power five school. So... Uh, it's going to be uh, fun coming in today to practice and uh, uh, getting ready for Baylor. Is there any difference in the way, and you're the best person really to answer this because you've been on the inside of both programs, is there any difference in the way that uh, Kyle and Kalani coach turnovers, or do you get the exact same mantra from them when you do turn it over, when you don't turn it over, they're just relentlessly similar? Um, they're pretty more similar. I think um, Kalani, Coach Kalani is definitely a bit more relaxed than Coach Witt is, is um, not relaxed, but he's you know more uh, I don't know more forgiving. Uh, um, uh, definitely, our program is all about based on loving and learning. Um, he definitely gives us a you know a, a quick talk about our turnover and stuff, but definitely he tries us uh, tries to let us forget about it and move on and. Uh, try to pick up um, on our own mistakes and uh, correct it ourselves. It's a day game, so you had some time afterward. After a loss, after a win, does it make any difference what you do as far as hanging out Saturday night? Um, not really, especially for this season. Um, I definitely made a choice of coming back home to be with family. So um, I, definitely after every game so far, I've been back home with mom and grandma and just spending time with them. Um, 
even after this loss, you know, the biggest thing was to go home and see mom and make sure she's okay and make sure she enjoyed the game and uh, had a little fun and, you know, just spending time with family. So that's what I've been doing after the games and uh, it hasn't changed for me yet. Do you watch football when you get home? Hey, did you watch, you know, which game if you do watch football? Oh, yeah, a little bit. My mom uh, watched our game, and then when I got home, uh, I brought her some uh, canes, and then she threw on the Utah-USC game. So I got to cheer on my old team for a band, watch them ball out, and uh, kick USC's butt. So that was fun. Yeah, Cam Rising looked really good. You've been in the program for a couple years when he was there. Did you see this coming? Oh, yeah. I, I was just waiting for them to give his opportunity. Uh, he definitely had it the year before I left, uh, but he got uh, – major injury and uh, to see him come back right now and start leading this team is uh, it's honestly really cool to see how far he's come along and see how far um, the Utah Utes has come along this year honestly You're halfway through the season what do you want different in the uh, second half of the season than you had in the uh, first six down six to go that kind of thing Man I love our running backs to death they're unbelievable the best running back duo in the the country, I believe, but uh, I think we still got the best receiving core out in the country, and we still have haven't got to use us to you know to full advantage. And uh, I'd love to see more air raid, but whatever Coach A Rod calls, you know, we're down for. We're down to rock with him, whatever he calls. Well, Samson, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we're all looking forward to that Baylor game Saturday. Yes, sir. You guys have a good morning. All right, there is Samson Nakua, BYU and Baylor coming up to kick off the second half of the season Saturday at 1.30. Back-to-back day games, PK. Man, it turns out when you win and get ranked, stuff starts happening, huh? Well, yeah, because otherwise you knew that there was a chance they could play at 10 o'clock on a Pac-12 network if they weren't very good. (laughs) The one place they wouldn't be popping up. That's not true. they got two more Pac-12 games to go. You got Washington State a week from Saturday. Yeah, so ha ha ha. And that one does screen like eight o'clock on the Pac-12. <laughs> hold off on the Cougars, the other Cougars, because I said Delora getting the quarterback back, right? Much better quarterback than the other guys have shown. Sure enough, they get a win. They put Oregon State in their place. So, and I've said this many times over. It's not. A, sometimes it's a question of when you play teams. Be Utah got a break. Because he didn't play. So there you go. Uh, BYU, yeah, it's a case of what could have been. But at the same time, you know, they're 5-1 and one to halfway point. I'm writing about this this week, literally as we speak, that, you know, they're 5-1, and one, which is pretty good. Got it obviously on pace to win, a 10 game, win 10 games this season. But right now, it doesn't sit so well. I think if you take a step back, the chances of any team, the caliber of BYU, and I don't mean that in a mocking way. It's just that uh, you look at Alabama. They're not even going to go undefeated this season, obviously. I think it's very difficult to go undefeated. So as far as what they have to play for, I think it's still a lot. Yeah, I get it. The Independence Bowl is there, blah, blah, blah. It's not glamour. Uh, that was the downside of going independent. But they still have an opportunity to put together two consecutive double-digit win seasons. And uh, to me, that means something, particularly since you no longer have to worry in an over a 
less than two years about some who gives a crap bowl. The truth is most of the teams in every conference are going to go to who gives a crap bowl the way they're set up because there's only a few, a handful of bowls that really matter now anyway. So if you can get past that, there's still a lot for them to accomplish. Baylor's had a pretty good season going into a Big 12 Opponent stadium, it's just like winning on the road in the Pac-12. Whoever you get it against, it means something. So I think they have a lot still to play for. They are halfway to 10-2. and two. There's no denying the math, but watching the games this past weekend, it looks tougher. Now BYU has the loss. Washington State has their starting quarterback back, and they look night and day different with him throwing for 399 yards. And Baylor gets another nice win, so they are 5-1 and one themselves. So this, you know, you, you always know it's tough to go on the road in college football, and going back-to-back was always going to be difficult, but obviously the most important thing is how healthy are those teams and how well are they playing, and right now it looks like Baylor and Wazoo are playing yeah. really well. Which is why I don't think it's any tougher than I already thought. I already thought it was going to be difficult. I already thought they weren't going to go undefeated. So really nothing has changed for me. The only surprise, and maybe it's just the football gods catching up to them, was all the turnovers because I was so excited last week that they hadn't had any fumbles. They had only had two picks. And, you know, they were sixth in the country in turnover. We went through that extensively. And sure enough, it's like we jinxed them practically because they had all sorts of turnovers that I just didn't see coming, particularly the fumbles. You know, maybe an interception or two. A kid makes a great play. You try to squeeze a ball in there, and a DB makes just a linebacker, whomever it might be, or a ball gets tipped, and you got the tip drill. We see that. I mean, that happened a pick six last night against Mahomes, right? The ball goes through uh, Hill's hands. The defender standing about three, four yards back, catches the ball, boom, it's a touchdown. Those are things that happen from time to time, and there's really not a whole lot you can do. The fumbling, the repeated fumbling, was just really out of left field, and I didn't see it. Plus, it's not like they were fumbles after you had had long drives. One of them was Lopini uh, after they went for it on the fourth down was uh, pretty much deep in Boise territory. But the others, you're giving Boise short fields. And it was just too much to overcome. There's no question about it, especially because they must have told Hall or he decided, hey, I'm not going to run with the ball very much to try to keep myself as healthy as possible because that's a critical aspect of his game. And he didn't utilize it very well or very much on Saturday. And I think it was at least from the coaching standpoint or the individual kid's standpoint, a conscious decision not to do that, I'm not sure that they could afford to do that and still be as effective considering the turnovers. You could say they would have won, but I hate playing those games like that because you never know. You can't just assume that things would happen this way or that way without them. But obviously they were a significant contributor to the loss, and it was a bummer from their perspective. You don't know how it would have gone because obviously confidence changes, momentum changes, play calling changes. There's a long list. But Boise State scored two touchdowns, and they scored them off back-to-back fumbles, and they started both drives deep in BYU territory. And they didn't get any other TDs. They've had problems in the third quarter all year. They've had problems in the second half scoring all year. The Oklahoma State game where neither team scored is probably the – you know, the most obvious example, but they haven't, in their three losses, they scored three points in the third quarter. They got three points in this. Now, they had the lead, so you can say they were, you know, playing a little different, but 
they got two touchdowns in the game, and they went 23 and 24 yards for those two scores. It just feels like even if BYU had gone three and out and punted the ball away, it would have been a really different game. And maybe not. Maybe the Broncos would have found a fourth-quarter touchdown or third-quarter TD, but it's not the way they played, and it's not the way this game has gone. Those turnovers were huge. I do think the third fumble was a big deal because BYU was in the red zone. They were driving. It felt like they were going to get in. Maybe they wouldn't have, but it sure looked like it was trending right. I mean, they were moving. They were moving well coming out of the locker room. You thought, okay, they've turned this around at halftime. You get it to 23-17, middle of the third quarter, you're, you know, you're in good shape. Yeah, I think all, every single one of the turnovers was uh, crucial in deciding the game. At the same time, one of those dot-comers for uh, covers ASU put out that uh, basically, ha-ha, because all Sun Devil fans, or not all of them, but a lot of them were running around saying, well, yeah, our turnovers, our mistakes, we beat ourselves. You didn't beat us, we beat ourselves. And he said some, I don't get caught up on what's going on on the Internet and that stuff, so I don't know that. But he, he tweeted out, ha-ha, this is what we said and you had a fit. Now you're saying the same thing. So things happen. I think the course of the season, those things even out. But you can make a case the Devils beat themselves. And then clearly the BYU Cougars beat themselves in uh, that game against Boise, which much like all the mistakes that the Sun Devils made. So it happened. You're 5-1. and one. you got to correct it. I don't think you're going to go undefeated either way. So in a sense, I'm past it. It's just like, it's like my golf game. I know at some point a triple bogey is coming, but at least not until the back nine so I can keep the dream alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get it in hole one or two. Oops, it's going to be nothing special. It's going to be another average round for me. And so here you want it to keep the dream alive maybe another week or two or three to see how far it could go. I don't know what was going to happen uh, if they would have won, nor do I know what's going to happen now that they don't, in the sec- now that they didn't in the, the second half of the season. I believe there was going to be tough games. I believe they have three or four real tough games. And that, 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 nothing has changed there, absolutely nothing. And injuries are a part of it, and so you don't know who's going to be available when you get there, all that stuff. Everybody's got them, man. You're not the only one who has them, for sure. That's just the way it is there in college football and pro football and little league football and high school football. And, you know, what are you going to do there? you got to play through them, though. So got an opportunity this week to get back on the right track. And I, I would find this week's loss, if it should occur, more devastating than last week's. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because now you now you're five and two, and now you're on a two game losing. Oh, streak. from that, I get from that standpoint. Yeah, I'm just thinking more of the quality of the opponent. Boise comes in two and three, whereas you're going to a five and one Baylor team. Okay. Well, so, do. so all you did was beat a bunch of average Pac-12 South teams. Uh, so you can hear the mantra: BYU is one of these programs that has to prove it every week and then prove it three times during the week because they don't seem to get any benefit of the doubt. So you can, you can see, well, yeah, well, sure, yeah, the competition got a little tough and they folded, big deal. They beat some teams from the Pac-12 South. That, com- that division, that conference is weak. The division is even weaker than the conference. So you know what's going to be said. They're BYU. They don't ever seem to get the benefit of the doubt here. So, yeah, and then they're going to drop, obviously, from the top – 25 if they should lose and all that stuff so yeah i view this game now even with with or without the loss 
I view this game as really, really a big deal. Because then you can't keep saying, oh, well, the Pac-12 South is weak, the Big 12 is weak. I mean, what the crap? You're supposed to play the uh, whomever, the Green Bay Packers, before you get any credit? You know, where do you go with this? So, well, number one, I would give them credit for the Packers. And number two, <laughs> I get the whole deal with Arizona. Arizona's 0-5. they got a win streak that stretches, you know, <laughs> across streak. season. Yes, yeah, so, excuse me, losing streak that stretches back forever. But ASU and Utah are a combined 8-3, and three, and BYU's given them two of the losses. Oh, yeah, well, they're not going to get the, any credit for Utah nationally because, well, they changed quarterbacks. You know, I know he had that, that spring game. That other kid was awesome, but he sucked otherwise. And so they should have gone with Rising. I said it all along, and clearly he's got it. I said he's got swag. He's got uh, he allows players to play harder because they want to rally around him. I said I called it way before he got in the game, so they're not going to get credit for that. Particularly if Utah goes on either way. If Utah goes on a big winning streak, well, it's because the quarterback. They. But no, no one's going to say for Utah, well, they beat Washington State because Washington State didn't have their quarterback. It's going to be slanted toward the Cougars. Yeah, but that's the reality. Until they get in the Big 12 and win big consistently, there's always a yeah, but for the Cougars. And for the Utes, oh, yeah, man, they're flying high. Nobody's going to say, yeah, but they didn't play Washington State without their quarterback. It's not the way it works when you're in a Power 5 and you had some success. And BYU hasn't been in that situation. DJ PK, when we come back, Nick Ford after the big win at USC. We will talk with him. And got a penalty in the middle of that game. That game was a little chippy. And he kind of lifted the curtain back on social uh, media. Not all the way. We'll see if we'll get him to talk about it all the way. We'll do that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes return to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a big Pac-12 showdown against Arizona State as the Utes hope to keep their dreams of a Pac-12 title alive. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 7 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk Utah football with the youth center, Nick Ford. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by... Saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Nick, good morning. Good morning. I want to give a quick shout-out to my man, Dan, Len- uh, Dan Leonard. He's a, ga- a grass keeper and does an awesome job. Been uh, knacking at me a little bit, so I'm going to get him a good shout-out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Celebrity mentions for Nick at the start of every interview. I'm ready. <laughs> So, I listened to Ute fans argue about this is the best Utah win since, and then then they all had their opinion different games. Uh, You have been putting on the uniform for four seasons now. What's your opinion? Where does this win stack with other wins? How satisfying was this victory versus a lot of the other wins you've been through? Oh, I mean, it's real real satisfying. I mean, this is going to be definitely a win that stands out to me. Um, you know, I can't put my finger on, you know, a specific win just because there's been a lot of emotional wins. I mean, 
like off the top of my head, I can think of UW a couple of years ago when we had that close game and scored at the end, um, you know, pulled away. Um, but, I mean, it was an awesome game. It was awesome for me. I had a ton of people there, and uh, some of those people who were there, like, supporting me, they're also USC fans, and they wound up leaving a little bit through the game, too, so I get to laugh at them. <laughs> You look at that game, SC had some success early, but then your offense, when it got going, really turned it on to a degree. Were you surprised that it was that easy and that lopsided? Uh, yes and no. I wouldn't say it was necessarily easy. We had to put our head down and keep uh, grinding, and that was the outcome that happened. And, uh, yes, I was surprised because, like, you know, well, I don't even think I was surprised, to be honest. I think it was more... Um, more of a like happy surprise, like knowing that our offense was clicking because this is what we're like capable of. So that's where the no comes in, where you know that's what this offense is capable of, and you know whatever it is that uh, got everyone to play the way that we needed to play, we need to continue to play that way because that's that's what everyone has been talking about. That's what we've been talking about. That's the offense that this team is capable of. So what is it like in the huddle? When the play comes in, and even if it's by mistake, which apparently it was, Cam Rising calls for a flea flicker. Are you, as a lineman, do you think, sweet, we are going for it? Way to think oh, big. Oh, yeah. No, we, so we go up like the first time, and they call a timeout. And I look straight at Cam. I was like, yo, it's one high. Like, cause I'm big on like understanding the whole concept of defense, like cover two, cover one, all that stuff. And, I saw the one high look, which means there's one there's one high safety. They're putting everyone else in a box. So I'm sitting there like, yo, Cam, that would have – he's like, he just started laughing. That's all Cam does. All he does is laugh. So I looked at him. I just started laughing. I'm like, dang, we would have got him. So we call it the same play, and I'm like, ain't no way they're going to line up the same way. They line up to the same way, and I'm like, uh-oh. And I go down. I just started laughing. And D-Lam, what you laughing at? I was like, oh, we got you. <laughs> he's like, what? And we go, so go, boom, hit the play. It goes over the top. I just started laughing. I was like, oh. <laughs> Obviously, there's a difference in this offense between earlier in the season and now. How much do we attribute it to Cam Rising being in there? Oh, definitely a good bit. You know, he has a good poise and a huddle, which helps. And, uh, you know, good, uh, just good vibes, good determination. Charlie did a hell of a job, and I still, you know, love that man. Um but, you know, Cam stepped in, and he's performing the way that we knew he could perform. And, um, you know, he's just going ahead and leading the offense the way he should. Um, you know, talking to the running backs, uh, quarterback, uh, running backs, receivers, tight ends, and the line and everything. And it makes it, you know, easier because now I could, you know, we got another quarterback in there, another strong voice, and uh, kind of calms my offensive line down. So that way it's a little bit easier for me to go ahead and, you know, tell them to do what they need to do. And it's like, you know, when you have somebody back there who can calm down the skills and then you have me up front who can calm down the offensive line, it uh, definitely helps out a lot. You guys didn't get any running backs blown up in the backfield at the start of plays. There were holes. Guys were getting downfield. You guys were averaging on those four straight touchdowns you scored, two before the half and then the first two possessions after the half. You averaged 10 to 15 yards per play on every drive, and their guys were not in the backfield run or pass. 
what changed? Why was everything? Because rock solid. You would have never guessed some of the issues you were having in September watching the game at the Coliseum. Um, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I know one thing is that they started uh, playing their safeties in the box a lot, and uh, we started counting them in the box. Um, sometimes, you know, we take the risk of that. Um, and I think uh, a big part of it is Cam as well. You know, understanding the concept of the play. Understanding it, you know, if we run the ball, um, he has to look at the box and see if, you know, it's a good look for, you know, the run or he has to see if it's a good look for the pass. He has a run pass option back there. And, um, and basically that's where it gets into like this style of offense where we want to bash you with the run. So you try to back up out the box. I mean, stack the box and then you stack the box. Uh, we got a lot of receiver threats. That's not, so it's not a very good idea to do that. And, if you start, you know, softening up in the box and trying to cover those receivers, go back downhill. So, I mean, we just got into a good rhythm of going back and forth between the run and the pass. How good is it to hear that Utah, once it's in the Pac-12, has never won in the Coliseum? Because now you can never say that again. Uh, it's been pretty cool. I mean, the last time was 1916, and I went there, I think this is my second, second or third time. And, um, you know, lost the previous ones. And um, especially that being my home and uh, knowing a lot of players on the other team as well. Um, growing up in an SC town, you know, it's just like, like I said, it's good. Like, you're feeling that way. I mean, you emptied out the Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Tavian Thomas has had his ups and downs this year. Clearly, that was the best case scenario. That's what you coaches and all his teammates have been hoping for. What can you tell us about him? He seems he's you know he's relatively new, so fans don't know much about him. What can you tell us about him? Because people were definitely impressed with the way he ran the ball. Uh, he's a good guy. Love that dude. You know he's a brother to me. He grew on the program very early. Um, he came in a little quiet, uh, but then he realized you know we're all brothers. You know we all like to have fun and stuff, hang out. And uh, he really started appreciating that and appreciating us and, you know, opened up more. And he's a, he's a clown for sure. Like, he is a clown. He's funny. Um, he's a good guy, good man. Um, I'd say, but he, he's, a, he's a really good athlete. He goes out there, you know, he works at practice. You know, whatever it takes to get the job done, he's going to go out and try to do it at his full. Um, and that's, that's just the type of guy he is, even if he doesn't know what he's doing or – He's going to struggle doing it. You know, for a fact, it's going to be 100% in what he does. And I think that's why he's improving so much is that he goes out there with that same mindset. From Utah's perspective, is it too early to say the winner of this game against ASU is the front runner to win the South? Uh, that's what it's uh, looking like. And, I mean, uh, us and ASU are tied for uh, first in the South right now. And... Uh, you know, I never try to predict the game or say, what about this? What about that? Um, they're a good program. And, uh, you know, if we uh, come playing the way that we're capable of playing, uh, I, like I said, uh, early in the year, I have no doubt that we could beat everyone. Um, but that's, you know, that's the big uh, thing. We got to come out and continue to play that the way we did. And that's what uh, Coach Witt addressed that, um, you know, whatever that was, that why we played that way, that's what we got to find out is that why and do it again. And um, so, you know, 
I'm going to give uh, all respect to ASU, and you know we'll see the results after that. Have you watched much of them through the first half of the season here as they've built this uh, five and one record, or have the games not the game times not worked playing the same time that kind of stuff? Uh, watched them in the bye. Um, besides that, uh, no. Uh, like I like to focus on you know my task at hand, um, watching film. So uh, I've uh, in the past two days, yes, I've watched a lot. Um, you know, I've watched a couple of the games. Like I said, they're a good program. They beat, you know, some good teams and they play a solid, you know, just a solid game all around, whether it's, um, you know, playing against Stanford or uh, UCLA. Like, they're, uh, they're a good program. And, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to watch film and uh, pick up on things that I need to pick up on. And same thing with everyone here, and we'll get it going. As I understand it, the funeral is today. So, what's the team's schedule? Uh, just ate breakfast, and then we're gonna board a bus, go down uh, to the airport, fly down there, do the services, fly back, uh, dinner, and then uh, practice tomorrow. And we switched our uh, our Monday. That's what, uh, what we usually do on Mondays: uh, lift, run, and practice. We actually did yesterday. Switch your Sundays and Mondays, yeah. yeah. Um, so Kyle said after the game, uh, he was asked, "Was the uh, <clears throat> was the team emotionally, you know, ready to play? When did he know that happened?" And he said that he thought that the, he thought the team was going to be ready to play, but they far outperformed his expectations in that area. And he also mentioned uh, Aaron Lowe's mom speaking to the team, and he thought that was a a big piece of the puzzle as far as guys getting back into football mode. Not to go far, you know, too far into something that needs to stay inside the team, but can you just expand on that if possible, what, what she said to you and how it impacted the team? I mean, yes, um, that's pretty much what she said and, you know, what Coach, Coach Wood said and all the leadership agreed on is that, you know, um, Alo, I'm not I'm only going to stop right there. I mean, um, his mom is one of the strongest women I ever met in my life and, uh, you could see that when she came to talk to us. And um, that really inspired a lot of boys, I think, uh, seeing how strong she is. And, um, she, you know, she said, that's exactly what she said, what Coach Wood said. And it, it, it was a realization uh, upon her saying it, Coach Wood saying it, and, you know, ultimately the leadership in the team saying the same thing that, look, we have a long season ahead of us um, that goes by fast. And, you know, we have to take advantage of what we got. And Alo wouldn't want anything different. And, um, you know, that's that's what we decided as leadership and as a team that, you know, we're going to go out and do exactly what Alo would have done. And even though days get hard, go ahead and smile through it. Well, congratulations on the win at USC. We're all looking forward to that Arizona State game, and we will talk to you again next week after that game with the Sun Devils. Nick, thanks for coming on this morning. Thank you. You guys have a safe day. All right, you too. Nick Ford, center for the Utes. He looked at the defensive lineman and laughed. We got you. It's got to be an unnerving oh, yeah. field to have an offensive lineman right. across from you laughing at you. <laughs> like, what I think funny? everybody's got to see. They've rolled over and played dead. You know, I thought the two touchdowns uh, 
at the end of the half came against USC defense still playing. I don't know what happened at halftime, but whatever mojo USC had was gone in the third quarter. At that point, it just looked like uh, the Utes were driving against air, you know, some some practice deal they might let us watch in the spring, you know, 11 offensive guys out there just running around. They yeah. just blew through them in the third quarter. SC was done. The, the Trojans are their history. Maybe if Jackson Dart gets in there, that can provide them with some energy down the line. So it'll be a new young guy and – uh, you know, maybe he can have a little bit of a small effect the way Rising did on the Utah's offense. I'm not sure about that. That doesn't explain the defense, but it seems like they've quit. And this is this is the ultimate disarray. I'm, I'm not sure. I blame it on the man, uh, the uh, administration. I don't understand what the point was in firing Clay Held in a couple of games in the season. If you were going to do it, you should have done it uh, because you basically you wrecked any chance you had for a successful season. And now, as far as the Pac-12 South goes, it's a three-team race. SC's two and three, way up the track now. UCLA's got one loss, sitting behind the Devils and the Utes. I guess we're going to be locking it down on ESPN next weekend, PK. one thirty for BYU and Baylor, 8 o'clock for Utah and ASU. Both games on ESPN, on the Mothership. The who? The Mothership. What ESPN what that employees? Mean? That's what ESPN employees call ESPN. Oh, well, good for them. I'm not an ESPN employee. Uh, yeah, whatever. I don't care what station the game's on. Uh, yeah, I would be either way. But uh, this is a big game. Obviously, I don't think it puts. I don't think it puts either team in the driver's seat because they still have games. This is still the conference of guess what's going to happen this week i guess you could say they're in the driver's seat but that that i do it in a flimsy manner because there's still plenty of games to win and in this conference there's plenty of games to lose <laughs> that's the way it goes yeah and for the Utes, they will just be three games down six to go it'll be the fourth one for arizona state they haven't had their bye yet but a lot of work to be done yeah and you still got uh, UCLA looming over there. You have to say, I think the Devils would feel awesome if they win. It's one more game, and they've beaten sure. the two main contenders in the South. So, but uh, you're yeah, right. There's still five. There's still five games left, and if they go three and two, yeah. then they'd be opening the door for one of those other teams to. Uh, yeah, to walk and that's through. conceivable because this conference, like I've, I've told you, that it matters when you play teams. Uh, watching uh, the McKee kid from Stanford, uh, the Utes get him. Uh, in just under a month, stands the reason he's going to be a lot better just under a month. And I thought he looked really good for a kid making his third or fourth start and just a freshman. Uh, and uh, so they're going to get him later in the season. Speaking of Utah, I think it's November 5th on the Friday night. He's he's going to be better. If I'm playing this kid, I'd much rather play him earlier when he's just barely getting started because he's got a lot of potential. They've had some really good quarterbacks in that program over the years, and he looks like he has the capability of being one of the better ones. So you don't know how that's going to turn out. Uh, Oregon, you, you know, just so many games that you're just not sure what's going to happen. You, obviously, this is a big game. I'm not downplaying the importance of the game, but at the same time, I don't think it sews up anything. It's just my point is it's too early, and some funky things can still happen. But certainly... Certainly, you want to get it. There's no question about that. It is a big game, absolutely. And to go 3-0 and in the conference, to me, that just basically wipes out what you did in the non-conference. And at that point, nobody cares. At least I wouldn't if you're 3-0. and 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We've talked to Samson Nakua from the Y and Nick Ford from the U and Aggie head coach Blake Anderson coming off a of bye week is going to join us at 9.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, Ben Knobs and Brewsticks. It wasn't raining yet. But it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room, and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell, man? That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on Angela That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes, yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Is that a fully satisfying weekend of sports, PK? Utes, Cougars, crazy day of college football. Alabama goes down. Oklahoma comes all the way back. A bunch of other good games we can get to. The NFL... Extra inning walk-off homer in Boston. Had it all. Had it all, huh? Had it all. Well, okay, there's no major golf championship. You got me. It had a lot. Well, from the football perspective, sure, yeah. I mean, the Texas-Oklahoma game was incredible. Uh, you, you could have stopped there and gone no more than that de- that game right there earlier in the day. Uh, the back and forth, the high scoring, the big plays, the craziness. Yeah, sure. Was absolutely a stunning game there, uh, and then continued all day. Yeah, sure, it's that time of year, man. And when you get into conference play and all that stuff, it really matters. And BYU doesn't have that; they'll get it in a couple of years. But it was a big game with Boise, and I'm sure they're disappointed. I actually, I thought it. You know, right now it starts earlier in the week too. It uh, doesn't necessarily begin on Saturday, Thursdays, and Fridays. When they have these conference games, they take on added importance. Every one of them is just huge. No one is bigger than the other, I don't think, because if you win the big one and lose the one that you don't deem as big, what's the difference? So when there's only eight or nine of them, they're all gigantic. Absolutely. So, yeah, sure, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching football from 10 in the morning till close to midnight with uh, Arizona and the Bruins there finishing it up in the Pac-12. Absolutely, yeah. This is this is where it's at right now, for sure. The Bruins messed around, but they put it away late. But a one-point game started to get kind of late in the third quarter. Like, what are you guys doing? Well, then they got two touchdowns, and that was the end of that. Yeah, and they had uh, Arizona had a quarterback change, the, the South Florida transfer, and he went down, McLeod, and their coach Fish is saying it's not a short-term injury. So they weren't very good to begin with, and now they're gonna. It looks like they'll be even potentially even worse. Uh, so the Utes have them. Uh, just uh, what's today? Today's the twelfth, I think, or eleventh. Uh, yeah, they've got them on the thirteenth of November. So just a little bit over a month, and that should be a nice opportunity for them. Utes can set themselves up really, really good. 
At least, uh, at least to keep the dream alive, man. <laughs> By winning this week, uh, I don't know that they will, uh, but they can really put themselves to, in a position to think, yeah, we made that quarterback change, and that was the big difference. And now look at us; we're a brand new team, and we had some new guys at running back, and we're set. I don't know that they're really settled because then it was it's like they've had uh, two other guys have big games and then Thomas had them. So now you got three guys. I'm not sure what that means. they got three great guys or uh, not sure who it's going to be, but as long as it's somebody, who cares? Yeah, I'm on that train right there. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess you, you can say that, but at the same time, you wonder, you know, I see how good are they defensively. What is their motivation? Seem not like good. Of, not good. Of, I can answer both of them. Those. Yeah, I can answer both those questions. Not good and not good. I, do, I think when it comes down to it, if everybody's doing about the same, if everybody's doing well, as you say, these three big games, three different guys, I think Kyle wants Thomas to be the back. And that's just off his public comments. When other guys are having big games and he's saying, we got to get Thomas going, well, I think you know where his priorities are. I mean, and the guy looks the part, and when he gets it going, he's unbelievable. He's had two big games, the first one against Weber State and this most recent one against USC. Now you can go to the quality competition, the first one, playing down a division. You can go to the quit in USC in the last game, so it's not like it's a slam dunk deal, but we have seen it twice, and we've heard Kyle say, we have to get him going. So, Thomas is unbelievable to you. He's the guy. He's unbelievable? Unbelievable! <laughs> unbelievable! He's unbelievable. So, by definition, that means you can't believe it. <laughs> and we'll leave it right there. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, an hour late, because it's an NIL Monday, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.